Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry Nemroff. That is Haley Fouch, and I missed that Haley Fouch so, so much. No, I missed you so much. I missed you so much. I just got back from Sundance, so forgive any gibberish I say today. I have not gotten any sleep in a very long time. This is a (laughs) gibberish-friendly zone. I'm glad. I'm glad you're understanding right now because— In fact, I won't take— gibberish slander in this room i am running on fumes right now the best kind of fumes because as you well know i could i could live in festival world for the rest of my life and be very happy you're getting i mean you're not on every day but you're like you're getting to one every few months i know i know and i'm i'm so grateful we had a great year last year with festivals because it was a lot it was sundance South by Southwest. Then I think I went to Overlook. You did. Then we went to North Bend. Yes. And then finished it out with TIFF. Yes. And then I didn't go. You Fantastic Fest. I, I Fantasia'd. I fantastic. Oh, I yes. This year, we need to cross over. We need to get us both to Overlook. And both yeah. to fantastic. Where are uh, I'm putting those the, goals into the universe. If the Overlook folks are listening, <laughs> I am eager to come back, and I am eager for Haley Fouch to yes. come with me. Well, yeah, we and have well, a good time. I mean, if you're listening, we we love doing live podcasts <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> that that as well. And they, if they're using the same venues, they have a great spot to do something nice. like that. So, hey, if you guys want us, we're in. I'm going to New Orleans <laughs> next week. You better come back to me. (laughs) I didn't trust how I felt at the end of that trip. I think I will. So I'm a little – I'm I'm conflicted uh, uh, about how dangerous it's going to be because I'm like, well, I'm going with pretty responsible people. Like 
one of them is in a medical program and one of them is a mother of two. And then I'm like, wait, no, that means this is their time to blow off steam. Oh, boy. Whereas I spend my whole year blowing off steam. I was also thinking, like, you think those people are responsible, but then you put them in New Orleans <laughs> where to-go cups are a normal thing. Yeah, and so everybody's, like, inner demons come out. I know. I have, like, goals which are, like, don't face plant anywhere. Yes. Can I make a recommendation? This is a terrible recommendation because I don't remember what the place is called, but I could track down the name. There was a bar with uh, fruit-infused vodka. So it wasn't necessarily vodka with, like, sugary garbage mixed into it. I had a blueberry-infused vodka that was incredible. That sounds super Remind me to to tell you where to go and find that. I'm so excited. It's my favorite place. So we've got quite the agenda today. We're doing a lot of things. I don't know what order we're doing these things in. You but know what? We're on, you're on fumes. Yes. I'm on painkillers. Oh, okay. We're, uh, Does that level us out? I don't, I'm just saying it's going to be a loopy <laughs> endeavor. There are no rules and we're going to talk about stuff. Yeah. That's the promise. Okay. So the stuff that we're going to talk about is many of you have been like, what's up? Have you seen Dracula yet? Yes. I have not seen all of it because – so the plan today was yeah. we're going to talk about my Sundance Midnight movies and we're also going to talk about Dracula with the intention of me having watched the entirety of the series. But I was so tired last night. I fell asleep at the beginning of episode three and I was just fried, guys. It, it wasn't it's... necessarily a reflection on the material I was watching. I was just mm-hmm. like wiped out. No, and that's – Fair and fine. You literally, how many hours before that did you get home? (laughs) So yesterday I got home in the latish afternoon, ran home, took care of Dewey, gave him all the cuddles I could. And then I unpacked, I showered, I prepped for the Missing Link Q&A that Mm -hmm. we did at the Arclight last night for FYC. And I jetted over to Missing Link. I watched Mance's Judy Q&A with Renee Zellweger. I got back. I watched All of the Lodge for an episode that's coming your way real soon. And then I put on Dracula. And at that point, it was like 1, 2 in the morning. And I was just, I can't. It's too much. You you know how I feel about your your work-life balance. I know. And you know, know. I'm in no position to talk. I know. <laughs> Why can't there be – like I – so not – I know most people out there don't want to have more hours in the day to keep working. But yeah. I genuinely want more hours in the day to consume more content. It's so frustrating to me. Oh, I – I want to watch everything. There's just too much. It's too much content. It's like the, that old – psychological study that actually showed that the more options you have, the less satisfied you are with your selection. That's entertainment now. Like you can never be fully satisfied. That makes so much sense. I can't believe I've never thought about that before. I didn't until I was in like rudimentary psychology class and had the same thing where I was like, that makes so much sense. It makes too much sense, actually. It's freaking me out a little right now. Um, Anyway, that being said, we're going to try to streamline some of that yeah. content for you. Well, we because are. she was at Sundance, obviously, and I just did TCA, which is the Television Critics Association press tour, which happens twice a year, and they bring out like all the TV shows that are coming up. And um, I'm going to tell you what I can about what I've seen, okay. which and what like what I can say for sure, because it's not under embargo. It's like. How many genre TV shows are coming up? So we'll talk about movies. We'll talk about TV. Where do we start? Well, we were going to do Dracula. Dracula first. Yeah. Okay. Um, Let's do it. Right. So I have finished it. 
and this is just because, you know, we did say, like, we promise we'll talk about it. And then we got the opportunity to have Richard Stanley and you just don't not do yeah. that. So it got that pushed. Was, that was the plan that yeah. episode. And then I pushed uh, Dracula aside <laughs> and I watched uh, Color Out of Space instead. Excellent choice. Yeah. Um, so Dracula, just to get this out there, I found so enjoyable and wonderful and satisfying for half of its run. And then yeah. starting halfway through episode two, it's like, oh, this is going in a very Moffaty direction that I'm not particularly in love with, which is to say overly cerebral mm-hmm. and a bit pretentious. And then episode three did a lot of shit. Can I ask you, was the entirety of episode three shit for you or was any of it working? Uh, I was okay with like maybe the first 10, 20 minutes. Because that that is where I ended and I was liking it up until that point. Like I was fine. Yeah. You might end up liking it. Some people have. For me, it was the end is a total miss to the point that it's like, well, on one hand I go, well, damn, they did something different with Dracula and that's very hard to do. And the other hand is like, but they sure did something stupid. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a whole lot of choices are made in that episode, and I'm not a fan of many of them or any of them at all. That's unfortunate because that first episode is... Oh, it's so good. That first episode is, like, expertly crafted, though. That might be one of the best new episodes of television or segments of a miniseries, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that I've seen in a very, very long time. And Dolly Wells Amazing. is why why don't we talk about her more often? Because when I was when I was watching this, it brought me back to you remember when I went on the set visit for Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Yeah. Um so it was like the dead of night, someplace outside of London, freezing cold. They put us in a barn where we were watching stuff on a monitor, and mm-hmm. I was the only one who like sucked it up and went outside. And the scene that I got to watch is if you've seen the movie, the Dolly Wells scene, where Lily James comes up to her and, you know, she's I mean, zombies in the title, you know what's yeah, going it's down. A zombie thing. But I just remember thinking that that moment that I got to see was so great. And you know, the movie overall didn't really pan out all that well, but yeah. she was something else. But Oh, my God, is she commanding in this series? It's just a great example of, like, giving someone the opportunity to do something. Like, she hasn't I, – I can't attest that I'm familiar with her entire uh, resume, but yeah. I've never got to see her do a role quite like that. And she was incredible and really steals the show. Although – Clay Spang, Clay Class. That's what Clay, I was going to say. Clay Spang. Uh, he's, he's a very good Dracula. Very, very good. And something I really like that he gets right is that Dracula is such an asshole. <laughs> he's such an asshole. <laughs> he really is. Uh, and I enjoy watching uh, Clay's. I will say it again, even though I'm certain, uncertain, certainly uncertain about how you say it. Uh, I, I I enjoyed watching him relish the the almost petty aspect of Dracula. Mm -hmm. I thought uh, he was great. I also thought in the beginning, I mean, obviously I'm focusing on the beginning material because that's what I spent the most time with. Uh, Who uh, John Heffernan. I thought he was a a great uh, Jonathan Harker. I was Mm -hmm. a little upset with uh, what happened with Morphid Clark from St. Maud, who we really like. Didn't even realize that was yeah. her. No, I, I I put two and two together pretty quickly, despite that. I, I think it was a wig she was wearing. Wow. 
wow, she's so good in St. Maud, and I didn't care for Mina in this very yeah, much at all. Yeah, I know. But I, I think it might have – I don't think it had anything to do with her performance. I think it was a script issue more than anything. I would agree. She just, um, she just doesn't get much to do but, like, freak out and scream. Yes. And eventually. so I, this is, like, such a common problem with, with his writing, Moffat, is, like, there'll be phenomenal female characters, like – we just discussed. Yeah. And then the rest are just, just what are you doing, my friend? And I feel that very much about the third episode is where uh, I was like, why, though? Yeah. Why are you going to do that? I'm still going to watch it, though. Do. It definitely left me in a place where I want to continue. Like, I was fighting it last night, I'll yeah. tell you. I was really <laughs> trying to stay awake. Well, okay, so spoiler warning because for something that came out literal weeks ago. Um but just to be, you know, spoiler warning, I am going to talk briefly about what happens between two and three. Are you on board with that? The time jump. It's hard to answer that question yeah. without seeing where the time jump leaves me. Uh-huh. Um, I will say with episode episode two, that narrative wasn't as refined as one. Yeah. It's like the thing that wowed me so much about one is how riveted I was by one-on-one conversations and how well all of that plays. Yeah. Not necessarily like the big boulder moments or something with violence. I thought that was all very Quite well executed like two. In, in episode one too. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really couldn't believe how powerful some of the dialogue-driven scenes mm. were. And that was lost in episode two. I, I don't think that the, the lines were as strong. No. But, you know, they worked well enough and I was still engaged. And especially when Dolly Wells popped up, I'm like, oh, I'm fine now. And I like the the bottle aspect of putting it on the ship that brought yeah. him to the new shore. Like I, that's a fun take on the the mythology and like a, a place to dig into. Yeah. I'm also just really into the idea of the Demeter right now because mm. of the Andre Overdahl movie that mm-hmm, they're working mm-hmm. on. So it was just like the second uh, episode two started and I realized where we were going with it. I'm like, oh, I like this. Yeah, it's cool. I like it's you know, it's. I agree that the lines aren't as strong, and I think that definitely continues in episode three. I think nothing is as strong in that episode. Um, it, it is also, though, that like that big game of mental chess mm-hmm. I, I thought was like, and when they get so literal with it, yeah. like, all right, guys, <laughs> this I isn't Sherlock, that. tone it down. Um, but it's an interesting show, and I'm glad I watched it, even mm-hmm. though it was truly, I think I said this last time we brought it up, one of the biggest journeys from love to hate yeah. in, in a period of a few hours I've ever been on. And you're not the only person I've heard that from. Oh, no. I know there are a lot of, like, I, I'm sure I'll get a bunch of shit for having a strong opinion, because that's how strong opinions work. But I I know that I'm not alone okay. on this one. Well, I, I, I've, I've couched myself in some weird opinions before. I know this is a shared <laughs> one. I got to follow up when I when I finish. Yes, I'll probably, I might do it this weekend. So like the other the other I hate making excuses, but the other excuse I have is that the Oscars are right around the corner. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm prioritizing before next Sunday is I want to make sure by the time the awards are on, I have seen every single nominated short film. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so that's that's something that I'm I'm making a high priority. That's always like my my Oscar ballots. I don't know. So like it's different now because we work in a league of professionals. When I was with the civilians, I always won the Oscar competitions, right? But I have never once like actually watched all the shorts and been able to have that as a strong point in my ballot. I'm I'm very conflicted. As far as, you know, winning ballots, winning oh, yeah. uh, pools, just because... This is fun. Like, I, I would love to have... 
I mean, I could do this on my own if I wanted to. I mean, you know I'm competitive. I play yeah, to I win. <laughs> so when it comes to FYC and making predictions, I, like, I'm just predicting the winner. It has nothing to do about my personal feeling on yeah. the category and the film's nominated. But, you know, I like having – like I should have a side paper that just, you know, ticks off what I prefer to win I and always, if that will happen. I always do – both. Well, not if I'm submitting it, but when yeah. I'm running ballots at home, I, I fill in the box with the one I think will win and then write like a little heart around the one I want to win. All right. You know what? Maybe I'll take the Haley Fouch approach yeah. to my ballot making this year just <laughs> to see what happens. I, uh, you know, I have a feeling I won't fare too well in that. But In what you want to win versus or, or in. Yeah. Yeah. I might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I don't know. And that's not that's not to say I don't think the things that are going to win are deserving, but it just sure. comes down to personal preference. Which is why I think the whole award circuit is a racket, which you all know, because yeah. it's, you can't like that's not how art works. But it. that's like, duh, what a boring conversation. Everyone has that on Twitter every five minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, which is to say that I, I don't have many horses in this race. They're not really my movies. Anyway. Parasite? Oh, that's a horse. Little Women is a horse. Yeah. Um, I thought you would you'd be big on Parasite. Oh, of course. I'm so, thinking it's I'm thinking it's got some good chances too. It's got a sh- it's interesting. I I had pre DGA assumed it would take director and 1917 would take best picture, but now I'm a little like could the opposite. I'm I'm not ready to give up on Bong. He is on such a heat train to, yeah. to everyone's like, heart right now. If anyone watched the latest episode of uh, FYC, they know where I stand on this. Because I was I was with you. I thought he was yeah. going to take the G- DGA win and 1917 was going to become the front runner for Best Picture. But now that 1917 won the DGA, you know, a lot of those signs might make one think that it's going to be 1917 two yeah. times over. And then Parasite would still take the international award, sure. which, you know, that would be great, too. But I still think because... You know, when you go to those those parties and those yeah. screenings and like even when you just see pictures online after the fact, there is there is such an enthusiasm in the community yes. for Parasite that people I don't know. love director Bong. Like, I would like to him. think that when it comes out of the guild competition and it's the entire academy voting that one or the other is going to go to Parasite. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm skeptical in this like. A lot. I know we've kind of derailed into a second FYC, but I never get to talk about this stuff. I like hearing your thoughts oh, on this. Thanks. Um, I I always like think of these things from like sort of a logistics standpoint. When it like the reason why I was very confident that uh, none of the horror stuff would break through is mm-hmm. because fundamentally. Oscar voters don't want to watch horror movies. They'll pass on that screener and watch mm-hmm. something else instead. And I wonder how much that's a factor with a subtitled film. I think that's, I think that's a real possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of it's one of many factors. It's so it's so easy to forget. I oh, like I say this all the time that these voters are human beings, yeah. and there's very natural like behavioral things you have to consider, and you know the amount of hours in the day, personal mm-hmm. preference. You know, just just thinking about the movies that I pushed play on, there were some that I'm like, give me that DVD, and I'm going to put it in, and then mm-hmm. there were others that. You know, it took a little more work just oh, yeah. because I'm not naturally drawn to that kind of material. And I have to – I have like very 
clear strategies for yeah. mine. But like I have to block all of my emotional screeners into one or two days because I don't want to be crying every day yeah. in the screener season. Smart, smart. How so you I plan that out. Two really big crying days, and I'm done with it. But I still make myself watch them. Okay, even though it's not my that's, type of movie. That's the thing. And but that's, you're right. It usually is one of the last things I do. Yeah. To your point, and that's the hot, that's one of the hot topics right now. I, I forget mm. who said what was it? Carrie Mulligan at Sundance actually, where she made a comment about uh, you know uh, voters being held accountable for the amount of films they yeah. watch. Um, I don't know how there's a reality where you can make sure that every single Academy I voter know. is watching every single thing because the truth of the matter is there's just not a, that amount of time in the day. It's as much as I want everybody to watch everything, I know it's not really possible. The uh, I, I had asked someone else casually, like, well, what do you think is the workaround then? How do you make sure that people are voting responsibly? And they were saying you can only vote for things that you have confirmed to have watched. Mm. That makes a little more sense to me. Maybe that's a way to, you know, baby step in the right direction. But it's a, it's a tough thing. It's tough. It's not. It's well, again, I, I truly believe it's all a racket. But like this is a big example of why, because there is no verification possible. Yeah. People will just and to be fair, like we we tend to see everything, but that's our job. Mm-hmm. Um, these are working filmmakers who do not have a lot of free yep. time, and maybe uh, maybe they have families, maybe they right, have other right. obligations. They're allowed to be people too. Yeah, totally. So I don't know what the answer is there. It's really tricky. Yeah, it um, is, and I think the real answer is just don't take it too seriously. Yeah, maybe. Or it's you a, know, it's a fancy pants show for fancy people. Don't to, take it too seriously, but. I, like like engage and be part of the celebration. I think sure. that's that's the thing that I, I love about the Oscars more than anything is yeah. just like the idea of the community coming together and rallying behind some of the some of you know the most impactful films of the year. Yeah, and that's a great way to do it, and a great way to. I think we're on the same page here. My yeah. my perspective is: don't take it too seriously. Don't get offended if your films don't yeah. win, and if your films weren't nominated, join the celebration and make a point to celebrate those films in addition to what's being celebrated on stage. I like what instead you of just getting said. really angry about everything yes, that's that's really not like you know. It's not like an epidemic, let's say, mm-hmm. in terms of things that are important right now. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like it's a fun. It should be a fun thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, pivoting then from Oscars to, to new se- fun things. So it's just I'm looking forward to the Oscars coming and going more so now because you know Sundance for me is the kickoff of a new year. Yeah. So as much as I want to keep celebrating these other movies, it's like now I've seen all these new movies yes. and the new crop of things that we're going to be talking about. So yes. I'm so ready to to move forward at this point and. Basically what happened for me at Sundance is my top priority is being in that interview studio for three full days. So as much as I wanted to see every single movie on the midnight lineup, I didn't get that opportunity. It's pretty much just down to the ones that I could catch. And, you know, admittedly, I'm going to give a disclaimer for a certain one because – I watched that movie on a screener link in between interviews, so it's not really the best way to judge. But I do want to shout it out because I got the impression that it was very good. But I'm going to go alphabetically here uh, based on how the Midnight Program on the Sundance website is written out. And it just so happens that one of my favorites is at the top. It's a movie called uh, Amulet. Mm -hmm. Um, I am going to briefly glance at the synopsis so I don't go too far for for this one. But – um, it basically focuses on a former soldier. His name is Tomas, and 
he's just in a, a crappy present situation and he meets a nun played by Imelda Staunton who introduces him to a woman named Magda who's played by Carla Jury if anyone saw Wetlands mm-hmm. which scarred me for life but <laughs> but anyway he meets her and she has a house that she lives in with her mother and says to him if you can you know kind of be our handyman and fix things up a little you could stay here free of charge it's on the midnight lineup, so obviously something's going on in the house. But Ooh, one of the things that I found most impressive about this movie, and you know, it it is like a you could probably classify it as a slow burn. It it's got a very very deliberate build, but that third act hit me like a ton of bricks. Nice. I just it, saw your SEO title. I yeah, I, and. Can you read what the title of my review is? Do you have it there? Uh, the the review or the SEO title? Yeah, I, one or the other is fine. Okay, well, the SEO title is uh, Amulet Review. I can't tell you why this movie owns. I got to give Matt Goldberg credit because nice. I, I was sitting there with Matt and Adam. I'm like, I want like, – I kept trying to say words about why I liked this movie <laughs> so much, but I didn't want to ruin anything for anybody. And I will recommend that you go into this movie knowing as little as possible. But when those those themes and ideas that uh, director uh, Ramla uh, Garay – I only said her first name in the interview. Um, but when – all those themes that she's exploring comes into focus as you get mm-hmm. deeper and deeper into the mystery. It's it's like I was like, you do you you're doing that? No, you're doing. Oh my <laughs> god, you did it! That's the kind of reaction I had to this. And you know, we're seeing a lot of this in horror right now, and I think it's especially evident in the uh, the Sundance lineup this year. Every single movie is a horror story that's exploring something that's either timely or deeply human, and I just love seeing that you know me i love a fleeting thrill i'm thrilled about that kind of thing all day (laughs) long but i do think that exploring you know some challenging subject matter through horror is a really interesting way for someone to kind of you know dig into those complexities that they might not be able to get if they're just having a straightforward conversation about those challenges Mm. i'm intrigued and you know what i'm happy i didn't know anything about this movie until i just looked it up um, I really like her as an actress, and I always thought she was really underrated. She's so freaking good. Yeah, so I'm excited that maybe uh, maybe her film career will finally get her the attention she deserves. I think in my review there's a whole paragraph about, <laughs> you know, if after this she doesn't become a household name or just get, like, another bigger, you know, uh, like a role that's more in the spotlight – Something's wrong with the world. She's mm. he's really good too. Both oh, of wait, them. We might be talking about different people. Oh, I'm talking about Rom- Romola Garay. Oh, oh yeah, because she's yeah, she's uh, she's got um, what what did she do again? She's done a bunch of things. But oh my god, um, there's I, something on the tip of my tongue though. I know her best from Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. Thank you. But That's I, one of the things. Some people might say Atonement is her best. Okay, known. okay, okay. <laughs> like. <laughs> what is happening there? Yeah. But, but I just um, – uh, I always thought she was really underrated as an actress and yeah. kind of didn't get the roles she deserved. So I'm, I'm, I hope that her directing career gets her the attention. I thought you were talking about uh, Carla Jury, who some yeah. might remember from Blade Runner 2049 also. But, you know, she's just a you know an actress that hasn't really gotten the biggest things – you know, maybe in Hollywood more so than anything. Yeah. But I think it's only a matter of time before some big production scoops her up because she's phenomenal. Nice. I'm very curious. All right. Moving down the list. 
I didn't see bad hair, sadly. I think Jeff saw it, though. He might have a review he up on the site. It for us, um, yes. I do really want to see that. Uh, this next one, though, is the one that I'm going to put the disclaimer up for. It's uh, His House, Remy Weeks's feature directorial debut. And this is the one where I was lucky enough to get to do an interview for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's not enough hours in the day at Sundance. So I was basically watching my screener in between doing others. And I will say, even with that having happened, this this was good. This is another thing that tackles some very serious subject matter through horror. It is... Yeah, I've seen the words right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to read the beginning of the synopsis on Sundance to give you a picture here. Uh, many refugee stories end in the same place, a safe, if slightly bewildering, new home, and that's where his house begins with a Sundance... Cu- with a Sundance... Geez, with a Sudanese <laughs> couple arriving in a... My brain. Different energy. My brain. A uh, couple arriving in a quiet English town for their happily ever after, but as their acclimation process falters, we realize that there's more to blame than cross-cultural misunderstanding. Things begin to go disastrously wrong, screaming nightmares wrong, blood magic wrong, and then (laughs) it gets much, much worse. It's a very, a very, very accurate, well-written description right there because, yeah, I, I'm glad they include a uh, blood magic because that's one of the elements that really intrigued me. And this is another one with uh, next-level performances here. Um, we had I. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pronounce their names right. I'm just not gonna. Uh, it's tradition. So Sope or Sope Derisu. Oh. He, he was so wonderful in the movie, and he was such a delight to talk to. And I, I know her first name is Wunmi, and I believe the last name Masaku, but I actually saw another movie she was in at TIFF that hasn't come out called Sweetness in the Belly. It was one of the ones with uh, Dakota Fanning and Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and she was in it too, and I had flagged her performance mm. in that movie, a, support, a supporting performance in that, and when I saw her again in this, she's another one that I would put her name on a list to watch out for, and if she does not take off in the very near future, like something criminal is happening in this world. She is so, so good, and the two of them are so good in this movie where... A lot of what happens in this rides so heavily on their chemistry and seeing that evolve because, you know, we all know we like to be good, strong human beings. Mm-hmm. But then when you're faced with really challenging, terrifying things, that's when you start to see the cracks in someone's composure and watching the cracks in their individual composure, but also how their re- relationship breaks down throughout. I mean, you got you got to watch the two of them in this. And I have to sit through this entire thing in one sitting because yeah. – I just this, gasped this because I, I saw that she's going to be in Lovecraft Country. So yeah. I'm betting your uh, your prediction about her blowing up might she, come around that time. She is something special. I can't emphasize that enough right now. Um, next up on the list is something we've both seen. Relic. Yay. Let's talk about Relic. Let's Do you want to tell about everybody it. about it because I've been talking so much? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I was able to, uh, though I was not at Sundance, I was able to see Relic because I did an interview with the director, who was lovely. Um, and it's a, it's, it's like a, you know, is it? paranormal or mm-hmm. is it just a creepy person movie but uh it's about a an older woman who is uh sort of descending into alzheimer's and her her daughter and granddaughter come to be with her to help her after she goes missing for a few days and she comes back all weird mm-hmm. and they don't know if it's just her brain decaying or if there's something more going on and i liked it quite a bit i i um i find 
that's uh, maybe, a, I would say, an undertapped area of existential horror is the way we all lose our minds when mm-hmm. we get old. And I thought she did a really nice job with that. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite interviews of the entire festival, too. I just found that. She's a delight. I, that the whole group, though. It was, uh, it was uh, the director, Natalie Erica James, and it was also the stars of the movie, uh, Robin Nevin, Emily Mortimer, and Bella Heathcote. And I also think one of the smartest things to have done in this story was to tell this story about... About someone in that situation through three generations where you can see how all three of them (laughs) react to it and how it changes them. I thought that made the whole thing even more powerful. This is also one of those movies that um, I definitely started, even though it's a trim movie, which I appreciate. I felt the length a little bit at times, mm-hmm. and then at the end, it all really brought it home for me. And in particular, that three generations thing really, yeah. really struck me. This is another one where the th- they really knock it out of the park with the third act. Yeah, and I can't. I honestly can't wait to talk about that in detail yeah. whenever it does come out because that, there's such special amulet, stuff. I can't. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about that in full. Um, and I would. Um, all the actors are great, but Robin so good. Nevin, I thought was. So amazing so as, as the older woman who's mm-hmm. sort of losing her her mind a little bit to to the ravages of age and very very well cast. and uh, alternately is very in control of herself and very much the woman she always was until the moments that she's not and that's exactly how that goes and that's exactly why it's scary it's like why did I just have a wonderful grandma conversation with my grandmother and now she's screaming like a child that she mm-hmm. needs to get home or her mom will be mad, which is what we dealt with in my family. Like that's very confusing and terrifying and, you know, different things happen in the movie. Yeah. But it's that same feeling of like, do I still know this person? That, I mean, this goes into that category of I, I don't know what it is right now, mm-hmm. but it just it seems like everybody's. I keep calling it thoughtful horror because I haven't come up with a better descriptor. But it's, you yeah. know, it's like a, a a horror movie thrill. You know, why many, many people want to go see horror movies to begin with. But with, with so much subtext and meaning that it doesn't let you forget it after. And it can yeah. actually, I think, benefit you as far as processing those things after the fact. Hugely agree. Um which is why, in, you know, when we return to the conversation of, like, how young should people be exposed to scary things, I'm always in favor of pretty young because it helps you process yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, what you're hitting on here is what people have not figured out how to say not elevated horror. Like, because that's I won't the, say, yeah. No, because it's a shit expression <laughs> yeah, and I we know. shouldn't. I know. But that's what they're trying to describe yeah. when they say elevated horror. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm going to stick with thoughtful horror. Then. Fancy pants horror. How about that? <laughs> so going down the list here, Run, Sweetheart, Run was a Jeff movie, but I did get the uh, the director uh, and the cast in for that. So keep an eye out for that interview. Um, I don't think anyone saw Scare Me. Jeff might have actually. Um, but I did see The Night House and I was wildly impressed by The Night House. And yes. I'm more impressed by it the more I think about it. It's a <laughs> David Bruckner movie. We, I believe we spoke on the podcast about The Ritual. I like um, his work. I like his work a lot. I like The Ritual a lot. I also really like uh, his segment of the first VHS movie. Yeah, I love his segment. the best one. It is. And I think his segment is also the best in Southbound as well. And it is also the best in the old movie cell the signal yes Yes. i always get them confused because there's two cells there's no there's and there's two the signals exactly (laughs) and they're like very similar plots yeah Yeah, it's fun it's fun to write about movies uh 
this this was great. Uh, speaking of thoughtful horror, this is a, a horror story about a woman and the process she goes through dealing with grief. That oh, woman is grief. played by Rebecca Hall, who. I mean, another theme of Sundance this year seems to be undervalued actors because <laughs> Rebecca Hall, yeah. she, I can't even describe how good she is in this movie. I mean, based on my minimal description of it, you should probably you could probably already tell that it's a, it's a very heavy role to live in that headspace because mm. the very beginning of the movie, it, it, it opens up with the realization that her husband took his own life. Oof. And that's what she's struggling with the entire movie in addition to, you know, bumps in the night and both of those things going together. It's just it was overwhelming for me to watch as a viewer and I can't imagine being in that headspace, but it's not the kind of movie where it's watching her wallow in her sadness. She just she makes that character Beth so like uniquely sassy might not be the right <laughs> word but like she's got like a real bite to her humor where mm. the best the best way i can describe it is there's a scene early on in the film because she plays a high school teacher and she's going back to work a little too soon after the incident and she probably shouldn't be there but she's there she's looking through a book and a woman comes in uh the mother of a kid and she's complaining about a grade and she doesn't know what just happened to her husband so just watching that it's one of those back and forths that keeps you on the edge of your seat <laughs> even though nothing's happening and you are studying her every single facial expression and the tone of her voice and she carries that through from start to finish that gives the movie a level of engagement that isn't tied necessarily to the haunted house vibes that Bruckner still executes very, very effectively. I, mean, I have no doubt of that. If you've watched any of his movies, you know that one of the, the best tools in his toolbox, in a way, is the way he creates such atmospheric yes. scenarios. And he does that big time here. Also, some folks described the audio, the sound work in this, as, as assaulting. I thought it was... <laughs> extremely well done okay. i think it uh i think it ties back to that that idea of dealing with grief yeah. very appropriately but also where it pops up just you know in the flow of events like it was meant to do that and i will tell you the theater in the library jumped screamed everything all at once wow. and i thought it was very well done okay that's interesting and i'm there's a show from TCA that had a, a, a soundtrack that was really bothering people. Mm -hmm. Some people. Yeah. Some people are obsessed with this show, as I am. Um, and I was like, that's the perfect score yeah. or soundscape or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't. And I'm, I was going to ask, like, are you sensitive to noise? But I'm actually usually very sensitive to noise. So I don't. It's not that. I guess I'm probably. Yeah. I would say I'm a little more sensitive to noise than other things. I, I get very like overwhelmed by loud noises in public and crowded spaces and things like that. But uh, I just sometimes when it's in a movie, it's it's or yeah. a TV show, it needs to happen. I don't necessarily get overwhelmed, but I just like like I find it unpleasant. Sure, but this was earned unpleasantness yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense it uh, does because that's how i feel about the the show yeah. this one was also a very big sale at sundance it went to searchlight i think they mm. bought the worldwide rights for you know a good chunk of money so uh, that's look a good how thing. effortlessly you just say searchlight no more i Fox. know it was i'll tell you it was especially weird in downhill because i saw the movie downhill uh will ferrell julie louis dreyfus and uh that was the first time that when the title card came up, I ever oh. saw just Searchlight. And, right. you know, even though I knew the change had happened, seeing that it was, you know, like a little pang. A little jarring. Yeah, a little bit. Um, 
And then the Nowhere In is the St. Vincent movie, and I believe Jeff oh, also saw that as well. Before we uh, move on from the Night House, I wanted to confess something. Uh-oh. <laughs> I never understood uh, why people were so all about Rebecca Hall for a very long time. Truly, I did. I like wasn't seeing it. Yeah. Um, and I tried very hard. It was Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman where I was like, she's wonderful. I So I think the reason that I'm so passionate about singing her praises yeah. is because of the, that, the possibility, which I hope this doesn't happen, of a one-two punch of seeing work in this follow work that was so undervalued, like her performance in Professor Marston. And yeah. I feel the way about – that way about the entirety of that movie. That movie should have been an award season oh. contender and it flew yeah. so far under the radar and looping it back to Relic, so Bella Heathcote comes in and like I couldn't contain myself. I had to tell her <laughs> how much I love that movie and it was just like it it breaks it breaks my it's heart terrible. that that happened. And I will bitch a little. Um I in fact tried really hard to get a screener link for that film for consideration in a queer critics group and uh, was it Annapurna who was doing it they would not they would not provide links for yeah. for awards consideration like and it, it was coming out on home video soon so there definitely were links they like blocked it yeah that's i, I don't understand that i think uh i think that one kind of just like fading away into nothing yeah. i I have to blame the marketing and the sh- the strategy on Maybe. that because I believe it had a, a TIFF debut. Nobody talked about it there. Yeah. Then it came to New York Comic Con, and that's that's where I was first exposed to it. And I was very excited about it. And you know, the year that Wonder Woman also hit theaters, you would think that it would catch a little of that wave because mm-hmm. of what it's about. But I, it just seemed to me like they had everything working in their favor and did nothing with it. I know. It's very upsetting. I love that movie. I'm glad you feel the same. I yeah. just rewatched it recently. Really, It's so lovely. And and um, why? Why does my brain do this? Uh, the actor's name, the lovely actor. Luke, Luke Evans. So wonderful yeah. in it. Yeah, all three, my, my brain all wanted to say Evans something. There we go. <laughs> you were almost uh, there. Uh, yeah. There's one more movie I want to mention yeah. that's not on the midnight, midnight lineup that I think should have been. I believe it was part of the next program because it, use a, uses a, you know, it uses screen life, so an innovative way to tell a story. But... Having walked out of it, I think it might have been even better off if it were on the Midnight lineup, and it's the Joe Keery movie, Spree. Okay. So in that, he plays an Uber driver, which in the movie is called Spree, instead mm-hmm. of Uber. And, you know, he's also uh, very into his social media presence and his uh, YouTube channel, and he wants to get followers, and he pursues a very dark path in order to get all those likes and followers and views. And I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's it's executed perfectly by any means but the the premise is inherently fascinating i can't get enough of screen light format and what it takes to do something like that and i thought the idea of having the gopros around the car was very very well done very well edited um i think there are some tonal issues with it where you know you see something like that and it either has to be high octane uh fun scary or you take it seriously and more grounded and it goes super dark. And I think they're trying to play both games with it. Yeah. So sometimes the dark feels, you know, uh, like like nasty, like yeah. unpleasant instead of thoughtfully dark or 
like fun craziness. You know what I mean? I do. But there there are moments where it works really well. There's some great set pieces in it. And uh, Joe Keery just, you know, continues to prove that he's a delight on screen no matter <laughs> which way he goes with his roles. But this is uh, – it's, it's a showcase for him. He's the entire movie and I think he's great in it. Nice. I'm curious. I, I did not – know about that one until just now and i do enjoy the screen life format so oh, i love it i don't think uh this one has sold yet mm-hmm. but i would be shocked if it didn't because it seems like a pretty easy play in that respect uh you also saw most promising i did oh yeah that can go in the genre pile yeah. too uh that movie is excellent. That's also a very difficult movie to talk about because uh, I said this in our review that I did with uh, Jeff and Mance. You watch that trailer and you think you're getting one thing and they do give you a little bit of that, but they give you so much more. Mm. So part of me does fear that the trailer is going to misrepresent the movie and some might be upset. But I think it I think it leaves so much more to be explored and all that exploration is so – like it's so full and well done and vibrant and that was just one heck of a feature directorial debut from Emerald Fennel. Uh, I I still can't believe that that's her first feature and I know she has a lot of experience behind the scenes showrunner of uh, season two of uh, Killing Eve amongst other things but right. the the attention to detail in that and – I mean, speaking of tone with Spree, the tone she hits in this, there's a lot of things coming together. And here's an example of it all coming together pretty damn well. And Carrie Mulligan is so good. Mm-hmm. And Bo Burnham also. Oh, nice. You know, I just went in with all the assumptions in the world with his character and what he does with him so believably is, again, wildly impressive. But I, I hope this is a performance from Carrie Mulligan that we keep talking about because she she breathes a really unique, uh, refreshing sense of life into that character. And it's a uh, this movie goes on like a wild arc for her and a very difficult arc for one actor to achieve from start to finish. Mm. And she does it. And this is another one where holy shit, the third act. All right. I can't say enough of them about that. I'm very movie. excited. I was yeah. already excited because the poster was so good yeah. and, and the trailer was so intriguing. You are and... going to love every little element in it, though, because right. they're so like simple things like the, the nail polish she wears, <laughs> like everything speaks to the character. Everything speaks to the speaks to the situation. And they're sorry, I'm going to like ramble on and yeah. on. This is also one of the movies in the festival that I think had one of the best ensemble casts. And it's a situation where the rest of the ensemble each gets like their moment. But everyone from Christopher Mintz Plotz to Adam Brody, uh, Alfred Molina has some great material in this. Uh, um, Alison Brie. Alison Brie has this one scene with Carrie Mulligan at the at a restaurant. And I think it's my favorite scene of the entire thing. It's another example of just like a simple conversation being so freaking nerve wracking and mm. exhilarating because of two great performances. Wonderful. And you know what's (laughs) most exciting about this to me? Unlike most of the Sundance titles, we get to see this very soon because Promising Young Woman is out in April? April 17th. Oh, good memory. Uh, I happen to have been writing up my interview, which is probably (laughs) on Collider.com as we speak, as you listen, whatever, (laughs) as you watch. Um, That's it for my uh, my genre assessment of Sundance 2020. Okay. And uh, sad to say my genre assessment of TCA, of winter TCA 2020, because there will be another one in July. Um, Not much. Not much genre on TV coming up these next few months. Boma. Yeah. At least we have The Outsider to go back to. Yeah. Um, so we know that obviously what we do in the shadows is coming back for season two and that's exciting. Uh, the outsider is ongoing. 
And I'm looking at the list of all the things that were presented, and I'm like, damn, there's really not much else. So there was Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which is intriguing. Um, Who's leading that again? Natalie Natalie Dormer. Dormer. Yeah. Um, And if you are not familiar with what they're doing with that, it is not related to Penny Dreadful. It is set in a different time period in Los Angeles, um, pre-World War II sort of – Weirdly is rooted in in like the creation of the Los Angeles freeways and how political okay. that was and changed the the geography and and just tone and I don't know everything about the city basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like a that's like the real world stuff. It's also very much rooted in Mexican South American. Uh, I don't want to say religion. I think it's like folklore faith mm-hmm. type things. Okay. Um, like uh, Santa Muerta is a character in it. And I believe I'm under embargo and I can't oh. say anything about it except to say that it exists. Okay. And it has an interesting take on that uh, uh, mythology. And I'll be curious to see how that maybe goes over with an audience since it is pulling from faith as mm-hmm. opposed to, uh, you know, like Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting to okay. see. And the other ones, there were two more. Okay, so I haven't watched this yet, but upcoming is on Lifetime, apparently. No, not Lifetime. <laughs> Freeform. <laughs> I was about to say, that's yeah. not usually in our wheelhouse, but sure. No, Freeform, but apparently a bit of a sexy witch thing called Motherland Ooh. Fort Salem. Um, I didn't see it, but it, it's coming up pretty soon. And there was one more. Oh, <laughs> Devs, which oh. is mostly sci-fi, but you know how Alex Garland is. Like, he definitely teeters into yeah, horror. Yeah. And I'm I'm eager to see that. Um, while being under embargo, I will just say that of everything in TCA, that excited me the most. <gasps> I'm so excited. It just, was just scrolling through the IMDb page right now. It's a it's a hell of a thing with a hell of a cast, and it Nick does not Offerman. take it easy on the audience because it's Alex Garland, and he never does. <laughs> he wants you to think with your whole brain. Yes, please. And um, I just, I can't wait till it's out and I can talk about it because they sent us all the episodes, and that's a lot to keep in. It's a lot to keep locked down. When does that come out? I want to say uh, March. March 5th. Yeah. Thursday, March 5th. Okay, I'll watch that. I'm, I'm going to like... Far. My goal... So here's one of my New Year's resolutions. Yeah. <laughs> this is going on a tangent. It's to, like, prepare in advance more. (laughs) Like, I need to start looking at the schedule. I say I'm going to do this, but then you know what happens. We get assigned all these things last minute and it throws the whole schedule off. But I feel like like I'm really excited for devs and I want to make sure that, like, I'm ready for it. Yeah, you should. I haven't been ready for enough. Well, shit, Perry. Can someone just, like... (laughs) I don't know, like drill something into my head and just put all the content in, like. Ah, oh, gosh, rapid well, probably fire. not. I know, off. I know. So someone said something about, uh, oh, it was like something with a phone earlier, and I don't know. It's like one day it's gonna like a text message. A text message will just be like reading your brain and just write it out that way. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black mirror, <laughs> very black mirror, very yep. black mirror. Uh, um, that's it for today, right? That's about the scene. So that's it for today. But we have something really cool that we've. Already shot. 
that I think you're going to enjoy next week. Uh, Some of you guys know I'm a big fan of the movie The Lodge, and we had the directors of The Lodge in studio for a lengthy conversation. The movie uh, hits Lex Theaters on February 7th, so what we did is the first half of the conversation is completely spoiler-free, so if you go into it not having seen the movie, you are very safe, and they just have a very, uh, they came from a very interesting place of falling in love with horror and finding each other as co-directors, so there's a great conversation there. But for when you've seen The Lodge, we really went into it and a lot of interesting details came to light. So I highly recommend checking that out next week. But thanks for watching and listening this week. Haley, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch and Instagram at Haystack McGroovy. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Pinemeroff. But I'll also tell you, again, go on over to Collider.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of our interviews, all mm. of our reviews. Uh, I think most of the movies that I brought up in that little preview there, I did interviews for. So if you nice. want to hear more about them, that's where you're going to find them. I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. And it's official. You have survived the witching hour. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.